Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Kylie Merritt, the founder of OzBiz. Our goal at Ausbiz is to provide you with news and information you can use to make better investment decisions, whether it's live, on demand, in the newsletter or a podcast like the COB. We make it available at no cost to you. The bigger our audience, the more we can invest in great content. So I have a favour to ask. If you could take a minute to leave a review of the COB in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help us grow. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. From Barangaroo Studios, the Ausbiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. G'day and welcome to the COB. Andrew here, joined by Annette for this week. It's been another good day, Annette. In fact, uh, yeah, because at the outset, futures were pointing down, but we quickly gathered momentum. So we're pushing towards those, well, it's another record high for the past 13 months. Sure is. Pushing towards all-time highs at this point. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one because just speaking to guys who have been following this for a lot longer than I have, and there just still seems to be a lack of conviction. I mean, imagine where the market would be if we actually had some strong themes to play. Uh, it seems like a lot are saying that, you know, Banks seem to be fair valued. The commodity super cycles sort of, you know, as pause, like it just, but, and yet we're still reaching record highs. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a conundrum at the moment. Yeah, because I guess increasingly we hear talk of a bubble. Depends which asset class you're looking at at the moment, doesn't it? Because you could argue well, that co- they're all Coinbase, anyone? <laughs> Worth more than well, the NASDAQ? But, but yeah, be it crypto, <laughs> be it property, equities, wherever yeah. you look at the moment. Uh, it's it's a tough one. We were just having a, a chat offline outside and we were just chewing on what the definition of a bubble is. And in a lot of cases, if this, uh, you know, if this market is representing cash buyers, you know, we're, we're not really in trouble. It's when we start to talk about leverage and leverage means margin calls. And thanks to, you know, Archigos and Green Seals, it's leverage that gets you into trouble. So I'm not entirely convinced that we're in bubble territory. Yeah, so sector-wise, it was interesting. Uh, materials, yeah, that was pretty mixed, actually, if you take into account the gold miners, because more broadly, the big miners were up today, whereas the gold miners were, were sold off heavily. And I think that was certainly a good deal of profit-making. And also, mm. there's a bit of movement going on there, too, with some, uh, some M&A and also... Uh, you know, ongoing issues with the Resolute Mining. It's up, it's down, particularly as far as its, uh, its interest in Ghana are concerned. Um, so a lot of movement there. Financials are broadly up. And speaking of which, uh, the Australian uh, banks, the big four banks appearing in Canberra, I'll get to that in a moment. But and then overnight we saw US banks earnings season kicking off with some really strong results there. They sure are. Well, the, the ones we've heard from so far, you know, the, the Goldies, JP Morgans, Wells Fargo of the world, they're 
they are they have a different structure to Australia. They have a lot of the revenues based on trading, which is something that our banks have actually had to minimise in recent years, and also a lot of M and A activity, which uh, again really doesn't apply to our banks. But it really is showing the health of the US economy. They're also underpinning all the IPOs, which are also lovely fee generating business uh, for the banking sector. So we can't directly translate the good news uh, from the US into our own market, which is why I think our banks initially opened lower. Remember, we were here at the open. It was uh, it was a little bit soggy. The only bank that should really benefit or have any relationship with the US banks is Macquarie, and that turned out to be the outperformer today. Mm. Well, certainly the story from the banks at the moment is that the Australian economy is doing very well. As mentioned, they, uh, they're before the House Economics Committee at the moment in Canberra, and uh, it began off uh, began today with testimony from CBA Chief Matt Common talking about uh, loan deferrals, how they've come off. I think they peaked at about one hundred and fifty thousand during mm. the pandemic. They're now way down to just a couple of thousand. Um, also, with bad loans, they're in a really comfortable position there too. Exactly, and I guess uh, just to leap two steps ahead, I mean today's employment number is actually one reason why the banks are in such good shape. A lot more jobs were preserved over the pandemic. And as long as you've got a job, of course, or there's income coming in, you can service those loans. Because I still think the the Australian vernacular is you, you pay the mortgage and you pay the rent. And the banks are the biggest beneficiary of that mindset. Yeah, so just taking a closer look at that job start of the unemployment rate falling from 5.6 to 5.6, I should say, from 5.8 in February, participation rate increasing slightly. But of course, Annette, this doesn't take into account the end of JobKeeper. No, that's right. But gee, it shows what a strong position the labour market was in. I do need to point out that participation rate is actually a record high and it's a number that's quite sticky. So the fact that it rose to a record high tells you that that unemployment rate of 5.6, it would have been even lower had that participation rate not picked up. So what we do know is that jobs are higher than pre-pandemic and we know that job vacancies are on a tear. So yes, the next uh, report for April is post-JobKeeper. It will be a negative number, but I have to say that this monthly employment number has been stronger than consensus every single month for 12 months. So that next month will be very closely watched. Well, further strength of the economy, I guess, is when uh, the airlines start talking about uh, opening up, you know, uh, getting to to full capacity. Certainly uh, Qantas looking in that direction as far as reaching 90% capacity is concerned. But of course, once again, that's contingent on the vaccine rollout, which is still a big unknown at this point. It's it's a huge one. And I think that snap Brisbane lockdown, whereby had a health worker been vaccinated, we wouldn't have had that, uh, that transmission. And as small and brief as that is, all we need is a minor breakout and potentially cities and or entire states are shut down. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not as confident as others who are making their bookings uh, ready to start jumping uh, across the Tasman, for example. Well, Qantas potentially looking strong, I guess, particularly in that market, the duopoly, when you consider what's going on with Virgin and the trouble it's been in, and clearly Qantas trying to take some of that mar- even more market share, particularly in, in the business segment as well. In fact, Qantas is our stock of the day. 
and uh, Koshi talking to David Novak from Wealthwise Education and Francesco De Stratus from Ord Manette for their take on the outlook for the national carrier. Honest, I think it's probably one of the better companies um, to benefit from um, a recovery from COVID. Um, you know, they've gone through a cost-cutting program and, and that will flow through to when things get back to normal. Our, our analysts have got to buy on the stock and, uh, um, you know, we expect to see um, some significant recovery next year and the year after. Um, don't expect any dividends out of it because they're just not going to be paying that for yep. a couple of years, but um, our guys expect some growth there. Now, again, you know, you put some assumptions there around, you know, um, you know the recovery from COVID to be uh, you know, yep. on the same path as it is at the moment. I wouldn't be rushing to buy it myself. I think there's many other better uh, options out there to buy it right now. I mean, there's much better opportunities around where you can buy into companies that are paying dividends and you know and there's yep. more capital growth in the medium to to shorter you know 12, 6 to 12 months they're the dominant player yep. and when things you know I think the worst is behind them mm. and you know it should be up from here using the button for us. <laughs> so we'll see but uh, look it's it's not a buy for me right now okay yeah, so there you go. I'm not in the portfolio. So Francesco liking it, but essentially, David, he doesn't want to touch the, touch the, the travel sector at the moment. And incidentally, Qantas actually off uh, six-tenths of a percent today. Yeah, so uh, interesting, as we say, you know, the whole travel sector is still very much contingent on the uncertainty that we have as far as uh, that vaccine rollout is concerned. Hey, Annette, I can't believe we, we've come this far and haven't even mentioned Coinbase. <laughs> Maybe we're a bit uh, Coinbase out, but yes, it was a spectacular first listing. The initial estimates of 250 blown out of the water from, uh, from the first trade. And I guess everyone's sitting around wondering how long is this piece of string, you know, going to be when Coinbase on its own is multiples of the actual exchange that it's listed on. Uh, you do have to worry where this is going. Well, points of comparison to old world, new world, uh, although I guess you'd consider NASDAQ new world, uh, mind you, uh, Coinbase, valuation of $85 billion as far as its market cap is concerned, whereas the NASDAQ sitting at around $20, 25000000000 billion? Multiples. Multiples <laughs> of its own exchange. Like that just... It blows my mind, really. But anyone who's heard me ranting, I'm a bit of a sceptic on this front. But one thing it, it does do is it is another step closer to you know legitimising something that so far is still largely a lot of hot air. Although I did enjoy a tweet this morning from one of my former colleagues saying it's interesting that Coinbase provides a means of exchange for something that's not meant to go through means of exchange. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, also, I guess, just highlights, even though it wasn't, uh, by definition, an IPO, it was a direct listing, it, it still shows just uh, how popular these market debuts are. And we only have to look at the local market for that as far as the performance of recent IPOs are concerned. DeLorean, Island Pharmaceuticals. Today, it was 92 Energy, which actually uh, finished up 
around 50% higher, but a lot of these are, are doubling their, their stock price uh, from the get-go. Yeah, we've had a few people talking about IPOs. In a lot of cases, they're a good business model, but at the moment, they just seem to be flooded by a bit of a pump-and-dump mentality. Uh, I, I'm not blaming, blaming retail investor or any investor, but it seems like, oh, I'll have a piece of that, I'll make my money, and then I'll get out and I'll look to the next one, which is a, a really unfortunate environment that we're in right now because there's some really good companies that we've spoken to bringing good products to market but they've just been beaten up by the speculative hot money uh, at the moment so maybe at some stage we'll all calm down and just go back to uh, investing in stocks because they give us good long-run returns not just because of IPO stag profits. All right well let's turn our attention to what's going on overnight of course uh Earnings season continuing stateside with a couple more of the big banks uh, also reporting as we also get into the big tech stocks at the same time. Data-wise, Annette? It's a big one. Retail sales? Oh, yes. We've got retail sales, industrial production, Philly Fed, and, of course, jobless claims. Uh, The one I'd like to highlight, I guess, is the March sales. We did find out, for example, from QuadPay how strong that first quarter retail spending was. The uh, market's looking for a rise. This is the month of March of about five and a half. The punchiest estimate I've seen is a 10% jump. The reason why markets are so punchy is that we saw what January did with $600 checks and of course now we have $1,400 stimulus checks. So uh, the sky I think is the limit on this uh, March retail sales report so that should garner some attention. All right, I think we're also getting a bit of a reader from the Chinese economy too tomorrow. That's tomorrow. That's yeah. right. So, yeah, tomorrow Chinese GDP, again, base effects. So, year on year will look a little punchy, which is why uh, most of the markets are looking for the quarter on quarter number, which is about one and a half. It'll look like a lot of numbers on the screen, but what we actually get is GDP for the quarter, but we'll also get monthly numbers for retail sales, industrial production, fixed income investment. So, the screen will look very busy, but what really matters is what is that GDP number and any signs in there of, uh, of a pickup or a slowdown. So we'll stay tuned for that about midday tomorrow. All right, something to look forward to. Hey, that does it for a Thursday evening. Plenty to look forward to, as I said. Thanks for listening. See you later.